Blog Talk Radio. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. From days of long ago. to be here on this wonderful Monday evening. Get you set for a Monday Night Raw tonight, the last Raw before the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So lots of stuff to talk about heading into the pay-per-view. Interestingly enough, there's only three matches booked for the pay-per-view, but we're going to dissect those three matches as well as a lot more. We have Dr. David Reese is going to be joining us a little bit later. Should be a real cool segment. You want to make sure you, you catch that. He was presenting at the Cauliflower Alley Club. Looking forward to hearing what it was like there. We want to hear from you tonight. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. So you want to talk anything in the world of pro wrestling, give us a call. Get on the lines. We want to hear from you. Check us out on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Head over there. Like us. You can join in on the show chat as well as every Monday night. We have a raw chat going on there. So you want to check us out over there on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is at the Ken Reedy Show. So check us out over there. Follow us on Twitter. And you can always go to our website, thekenreedyshow.com. We got blogs over there, got bios, pictures. Check out everything you need to know about the Ken Reedy Show, so you want to head out over there, as always, each and every week. Actually, before we get into the wrestling conversation, just a little housekeeping to let you guys know. It's been amazing, but as the summer has unfolded, it seems like if I have a scheduling conflict, it happens on a a pay-per-view Sunday. So I I have a graduation I have to go to next Sunday, so we won't be doing our our pregame show before Money in the Bank, but we'll be back next Monday night. Uh, at 6.30 to give our reactions to Money in the Bank. And then we wish you all the best. We're going to be taking off that Monday, July 4th weekend, so have a great holiday weekend, uh, that July 4th. I think that's the 4th, 7th, July 7th. So we'll be off on on that Monday. So 
Have a great holiday weekend, but we have so much to get through, so much to talk about before that time. As always, to get through all of it, tag team partner on the line, Dave is here. Dave, how you doing this evening? It's hot, and it's muggy, and it's summertime, and wrestling is where it's at right now. There's a lot of suspense going on, a lot of different things taking place, all happening at once, and there's a lot to talk about. So I'd just really like to get into it if we could. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, the past few months, and, and we put it out there that, you know, we weren't enamored with what TNA was doing, and, and we were watching, you know, trying to keep tabs on TNA. I'm not going to lie and say I've religiously been watching Impact, but trying to stay at least up to date on what's going on with TNA. And we put it out there a, a few weeks back, and we said, you know, we're not going to really talk much about TNA unless you guys really want us to. So if you want TNA talk, call in, and we'll talk, but it's not going to be officially in the rundown. And interestingly enough, and, and you know, whatever, we, we let the fans and the people out there, you want to talk wrestling, that's why the show works. You know, we talk about you guys want to talk about. Nobody seemed mad at us, Dave. No one was mad at us for not talking TNA. So we haven't talked TNA in a long time. Caught impact, still, they got a lot of kinks to work out. However, really enjoyed Tommy Dreamer's segment, really enjoyed Dreamer's moment with with, uh, Dixie Carter. I thought he cut a real good promo, and it it just was, it was an interesting moment. Now, I don't know if this is 100% a work, if Bully Ray being pulled off of the HOH shows, was legit heat that now they're saying, hey, what the hell, let's use it as a work. But I like it. I I think it's something unique. It's something interesting. It's something really using social media and the Internet and, you know, using a big indie promotion, but an indie promotion to help TNA. I I think it's kind of cool, and I thought Dreamer did a really nice job with his promo. Um, You know, Dixie's still rough around the edges, but... The need of the balls worked to put an exclamation point on that segment. I, I thought the whole thing worked pretty well, Dave. Yeah, I did. I mean, Dreamer's been known to be in, involved in some heavy, emotionally invested angles. I mean, he made a living in the original ECW with his two-and-a-half-year, three-year run with Raven uh, and how emotionally charged that storyline was. So, um but the, the, the kind of promo that he cut, he kind of breathed some life into that program. And I haven't watched Impact probably since, I would say, April, right around the time WrestleMania came around. And uh, I I heard Dreamer was going to be on. I was like, well, if he's going to be on and if this House of Hardcore thing has been catching on, i got to see what they're doing. Because the last time that TNA and House of Hardcore had any kind of crossover, it only helped benefit TNA, one of TNA's house shows. And it didn't translate to anything on television, which I thought it should have, to be quite honest with you. They should have struck while the iron was hot, but it didn't, wasn't the case. Now it seems like they are going in that direction. Um, the promo he cut was great. Um, the need of the groin thing with Dixie, yeah, it worked, but I would have liked to have seen maybe somebody else kind of do that um, and, 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 and let her just sit back and let somebody else do the dirty work because I can't really believe that a guy like Tommy Dreamer who has, you know, been in one of the most hardcore violent promotions known as ECW and gone through all the stuff he's gone through can fall so easily to a female's knee to the groin. So uh, 
other than that, I thought the segment was great, and it breathed some life and something fresh into Impact that I think it's needed for quite a while. Yeah, the one thing I really liked about it, and, and, you know, we've talked about it on the show, and you know what? I mean, everyone's, wrestling fans, all podcasts, radio shows, blogs, you name it, the internet that talks wrestling, that talks TNA, the one thing that you hear over and over again is TNA needs to set themselves apart. TNA needs to do something different than the WWE. They, they can't, you know, be, you know, baby WWE, you know, and, and because they don't have the funds, they're not as big, and it just comes off as a cheap imitation. And what I really liked about this is, you know, nowadays in wrestling, you know, with the WWE, what they do, they, they put it all out there. I mean, they, they pulled the curtain back. You know, you, you see the guy hanging out back there controlling the, the projection of Oz. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we see what goes on. They flat out tell us, you know, these are characters they play on TV. There's no, there's no bones about it. Like, it's, you know, there's the real John Cena. There's the character John Cena, you know, with, with all of these guys. And, and they fully, fully admit to playing characters. So what you don't get too much anymore out of the WWE is that blurring of the lines that, oh, wait, that, that looked kind of real or that, it's, you know, they put it out there. It's, it's a show. It's completely a show. What's real on Monday Night Raw is, is you know, the amount of stuff that's real on Raw, just as much stuff is, is real on 24. You know, it's a scripted TV show. I, what I really liked about this, it, to me, it was something different that I think TNA can really capitalize on. Um, it, again, in saying, I don't know. I, I can't imagine that Dreamer on purpose would have Bully Ray pulled from the show to use it for work. Could he? Perhaps. I don't know. But I think it's kind of cool to have for TNA, this, this televised wrestling company, arguably the second biggest wrestling company in the country, in the world perhaps, to have beef with, with an indie promotion a large indie promotion, and indie promotion that has a star promoting it. Um, but it, it, it kind of blurred that line a little bit, that you kind of, you know, is there real friction between Dixie and, and Dreamer? You know, is it completely a work? I, I think it's interesting. It adds interest to TNA. Like you said, Dave, I think they need to add more stuff on TV. Uh, you know, it adds interest to HOH. And it's something like, you know, you wonder on a, on a trial basis – they do that with, with HOH. Do we see TNA perhaps do more stuff like that to involve themselves in more indie promotions? I think that's a good direction to go, and I think the indie scene is, is rich with, with talent. Uh, there's a lot of names out there right now in the indie scene that, you know, why, why wouldn't they sign a contract to be on impact for one night, for a couple of nights? I, I, I like the whole thing. I think now, granted, as, as a wrestling fan, as an educated wrestling fan, I know that, that probably sounds like an oxymoron to some, but yes, as an educated wrestling fan, I'm not going to sit here and be naive that, yeah, I can fully see TNA screwing this up. Uh, however, right now, coming out of that promo, I, I was kind of optimistic. I thought it was pretty neat, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with you in that sense, and I think that it's needed that uh, you know more of an indie scene. I mean, let's face it, we've talked about 
you know, the negative things of TNA in the past. And, I mean, it's no secret that, you know, just recently they could hardly draw 300 people in a baseball stadium, a baseball stadium that seats 3,000 people, a minor league baseball stadium, I I should add there. Baltimore, Maryland, somewhere in that area. The night before that, that baseball you know, team played, and that crowd drew 3,000. That's the capacity, the, the max capacity of the stadium. TNA barely drew 300. And there are some indie shows that draw more than them. House of Hardcore drawn more than them. Northeast Wrestling, the group I've gone to, they draw more than TNA in some areas. So I think any kind of um, partnership that they can use would be beneficial to them, and also in in many ways they're you know they're talking about looking for young newer talent. The NBC's bloated with it, so if you were to partner up with other promotions and look at some of the talent that's out there, you know it might be a win-win situation for everybody involved. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool, and, and I'm hoping you know again. And, and Dreamer hit the nail on the head, and it was that's what made the promo good really good is it was like he was the voice he was the voice of the voiceless who cm punk's coming back uh, he was but he was the voice of the fans he really was i, I mean it, there's not a wrestling fan out there that as much as you know a lot of people are critical of tna and tna and rightfully so tna has dropped the ball a lot of places but wrestling fans want tna to succeed we really do. We want TNA to put out a quality product. We want Thursday Night Impact to be must-see TV. Competition, you know, it's good for the business. And, and right now, you know, I, I would never, that's delusional to think that they're close to competing. But put out a good product. Put out something that t- wrestling fans take notice. And, and Tommy Dreamer really kind of put that out there, that, that we all want the company to succeed. We want the company to do well, so uh, hopefully they, they're they're you know dreamers out there and consulting, and hopefully they look at you know getting more involved uh, with the independent scene. And you're right; I mean, there's so many you know over here in Jersey. We have PWS. I mean, PWS does shows that that regularly they draw like a couple thousand fans. You know, they, think of the indie scene that they can tap into. Whether it's it's like you said, Northeast Wrestling, HOH. Now uh, you got Guys like Dragon Gate. I mean, you know, who knows where TNA could go with this? I, it, it should be interesting if they, and, and it's beneficial to both parties. You know, like you said, seeing young talent, young talent perhaps getting a shot to be on TV. Uh, you know, I, us as wrestling fans, seeing talent that maybe we wouldn't have a chance to see, I just think it's, it's got a lot of potential. Fingers crossed that they move in the, re- in the right direction. And as we continue to see TNA, move, you know, try and tweak things, try and change things. Um, Interesting, you know, moving forward, moving backwards, perhaps. TNA putting it out there to the wrestling fan, which ring do you like better? On their website right now, they are taking a fan poll. Do you want to see TNA with the four-sided ring or see TNA go back to the six-sided ring you know, I I think it's, again, I like the four-sided ring. I am on the side of the four-sided ring. That's where I would vote. I think it's kind of neat that TNA is saying, you know what, we'll listen to the fans. Whatever you guys vote, that's what we're doing. Interesting stuff coming out of the TNA camp, letting fans decide what ring they're going to use, Dave. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, personally for me, um, I look at it two ways. One, the four-sided ring, you know, it's, it's traditional wrestling. It's what I grew up on. 
and it's always seemed to have worked. Uh, then again, in the past decade or so, wrestling fans have always complained, you know, mainly Internet fans, I should say. I shouldn't say all wrestling fans, but a lot of fans have complained that wrestling needs to change. They need to switch things up. There needs to be a game changer. And I'm not saying TNA is a game changer by any stretch of the imagination, but they've lasted as long as they've had, and first, a big part of that reason is the six-sided ring. I mean, it, yes, it looks different, but they were very popular in the time that they debuted that six-sided ring up until the time that it was disbanded, I think right around the time of the Hogan-Bischoff regime in TNA. And, I mean, they used to have some exciting matches with the ladder match, stage matches. I mean, they did some things that were very innovative and had caught the attention of wrestling fans and the talent that was in those six-sided ring matches were, you know, just top-notch between Daniels and AJ Styles and Kazarian and Chris Sabin and Petey Williams and you know, even some of the heavyweight guys. Then again, when I mentioned heavyweight guys, guys like Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle and those guys, they had a hard time adjusting to it. And it could be a little rougher on the body from what I've heard from guys in the business. So it's really a double-edged sword. But at the end of the day, if that's what the fans want, if they want the return of the six-sided ring, then you've got to give the people what they want. Will it mean that it's going to attract more viewers and, 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 and more people to their show? I, 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 that's, a, that's a large stretch to think that. But I think it would be, if it's an overwhelming majority that wants to see it, then I think it would be a step in the right direction, bringing the six-sided ring back to TNA and differentiating themselves from other wrestling entities, including WWE. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you, you do wonder if the going back to the six-sided ring, is it going to be a needle mover? And you're right. Like, is it, you know, if the voting winds up being, you know, 55% to 45%, you, you wonder, all right, you know, is it really that big a deal? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, and I guess when it comes to wrestling, I'm more of a traditionalist. Um, I do think that, you know, the guys that were comfortable in the six-sided ring did some very interesting things. But, you know, I'm a guy, you know, Macho Man, Steamboat, they're in a four-sided ring. And they, they you know, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, they're in a four-sided ring. You know, you can do some pretty amazing things in a four-sided ring. And for me as a fan, I found the six-sided ring hokey. And, and guys who you know, maybe were a little bit older that came over. They looked uncomfortable to me in the six-sided ring. So I I was never a big fan. Um, so, you know, and I went over. I voted. I voted for the four-sided ring. But I do think it's a good idea, you know, to ask wrestling fans what they want. And, and interesting, again, you know, it's it's tough to not compare. But, you know, the WWE does their polls on Monday Night Raw and, and you know, uh, you know, who's the, who should John Cena's opponent be tonight? And you got to go and download the app. And eh. You know, this is like something that, that legit, you know, can change the, the direction of the company. I mean, this is, this is a big decision for TNA to go. And, and I would hope if TNA, you know, if the fans vote and say six-sided ring, you got to keep the six-sided ring for, for a chunk of time. I mean, you got to go a few years now with that six-sided ring. You know, you could, I guess somewhere down the road you could change back, but it would come off as pretty disingenuous if they go to the six-sided ring for like six months and then go back to a four-sided. Um, you know, but I do think it's kind of neat that they're really involving the, the fans in this decision-making process, which is a step in the right direction. And, and to me, you know, the stuff with Dreamer, with Dixie, a lot of that stuff spilled over in, into social media. Um, at HOH, Tommy 
was ripping on Dixie and told the crowd there, get on Twitter because Dixie loves Twitter and, and tweet her, you know, how much you hate her. And, and, you know, so they're putting it out there with social media. Um, they're using now their, their website to vote what ring um, you want to use. I, I think it's kind of it's kind of cool that, that TNA looks mm-hmm. like they're in, in a real direction to really embrace technology in a way that you can facilitate some storylines, uh, you know, just purely on the web. And that's, that, to me, is an interesting direction as entertainment as a whole evolves in the 21st century. You know, it, it's, it's interesting coming out of that, you know, voting on their website. You know, you knew going into Impact, which is great. You know, you knew going into Impact that there's heat between Dreamer and Dixie. You knew it via what was going on on social media, which is an interesting direction for this company to go in. Now, again, we want this company to succeed. There's, there's a lot of things that, that need fixing. Uh, you know, there's stuff on Impact that, you know, that was good and stuff that was, eh. So, you know, I, fingers crossed, Dave, I guess. You know, optimistic, but, uh, you know, you never know. Every time, it seems like over the past couple of years, you know, every time the TNA would start moving in a, in a real good direction, they, they, they'd figure out some way to just, you know, I don't want to say screw it up, but just not quite you know, do what they should have done. You know what I mean? Kind of give you a little taste of what you'd like, and then they kind of pull it away from you, or they, they go in a different direction, and sometimes it's not always the best direction. Um, I mean, one instance, for example, on one of the biggest TNA screw-ups that I think potentially hurt them in the long run, and a lot of people might agree with me, was the way that Samoa Joe was booked when he first came into TNA. Do I agree with how they booked him and they gave him this unstoppable streak? Absolutely. But you killed that streak when you brought in Kurt Angle and you had Kurt Angle in the first month in TNA wrestle Samoa Joe. There was no buildup. Those guys shouldn't have touched each other for six months to a year and build up to a big match. And they gave it a I mean, they, they made you pay for it on pay-per-view. And don't get me wrong, it was an excellent match, but I think it was one of the worst booking decisions that kind of, kind of, you could see the early stages of TNA really hot-shotting things and going for short-term fixes instead of planning ahead and seeing the bigger picture in the long-term, with long-term fixes. So, um, long-term solutions, excuse me. So, to me, that was one, that's a prime example from TNA, in my opinion, as a fan, that, that, that they shouldn't have gone in that direction. And, you know, in a related issue, that didn't help Joe in any matter going forward. Because they, they it, I don't know. To me, it just made his character. He was a killer. And then one match with Kurt Angle, and he's done. And that was it. It was like, it just, it just kind of, you know, pumped the brakes on him. And then they tried to give him a, a, a push for the title. And they were teasing him he was going to win the belt. And he didn't get anywhere near the championship chase until two years later. They finally gave him the belt. And it was like a little too late, at least in my opinion. Yeah, just, you know, you just wonder. I mean, I'm hoping, you know, a guy like Dreamer involved, you know, I mean, that guy's got, you know, he's got a great wrestling mind and he's got a lot of respect within the business. So, you know, hopefully him being involved will will do something. I mean, he's a guy that I think TNA really should, you know, use him, pick his brain, uh, 
you know, he puts on, I mean, House of Hardcore, he puts on tremendous shows. Uh, you know, to me, it's, you know, use him. Use him as much as possible. I mean, and there's, there's still, like, all around the country, there's still the, the ECW marks, you know. Use Dreamer's popularity. Use his wrestling know-how. Use use uh, the level of respect he's garnered in the business. Uh, you know, I, I think it could be a very exciting time for TNA to, to kind of change up what they're doing, but, you know, again, fingers crossed. And, and, you know, speaking of changes, we did see as we switch gears a little bit to the WWE, and quickly I wanted to hit on this. Interesting this week that, uh, you know, as you, you, you come out of the Shield breakup and you're looking at things with the Shield, uh, could they get back together, what direction they're going in, it looks like the Shield is, is pretty much done as we saw a different look out of Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, different entrance music as well. Seth Rollins channeling his best snake Pliskin in his new uh, in-ring attire. And, uh, you know, Dean Ambrose just jeans and a tank top. And, you know, I'm liking, you know, we've said it time and time again, Dean Ambrose was the guy that did not distinguish himself out of the shield. I'm digging the new look. I'm digging the new music. And, and, I like the promos he cut. So, as much as people may not have liked the breakup of the Shield, I think it did a world good, world of good for one Dean Ambrose, Dave. I think it did too. I think you know we talked about it on the show before how you know in the beginning when the Shield first emerged, everyone was talking up Ambrose as the future of the business, as the future of WWE. He was going to be the next guy. He was going to be the top heel, the next Roddy Piper, and that seemed to slow down. And Roman Reigns is seems to be groomed as the guy. But Seth Rollins had emerged in the past few months and proved that he's just as equally as good as the other two. And each one has something different that makes them all gel well together as a group. And, you know, it was sad to see them break up at the same time. I'm really optimistic and looking forward to seeing what all three can do on their own. I like how they've separated the the new, new look, entrance music. Yeah, Roman Reigns kind of still keeps the shield gimmick in place for himself, but I think it works for him. The Ambrose, he's just, you know, he's, he's a lunatic, and he's, the look that he has just kind of goes with his personality. Seth Rollins, I don't know. He looks like a Power Ranger without the helmet on, but, I mean, <laughs> he, you can't deny his ability in the ring, and, you know, his look may change over time. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoy and look forward to seeing how all three of these men progress on their own um, going forward after this breakup. Yeah, I am too, and uh, you know, and I, again, you know, I think that it did a lot of good for Ambrose. It, it, it's you got to see Escape from New York, Dave, because you, you'll see it's. I'm gonna have to post a picture yeah. on the page for those of you who haven't seen the movie Escape from New York. Uh, it's a cult classic. You gotta see it. Um, in fact, former guest of the show Ox Baker was in the movie Escape from New York. Uh, you you got to check out that movie. But yeah, his his ring attire. I mean, it, it's similar enough where you do wonder. If, if if Seth Rollins was actually uh, paying homage to to that movie, but uh, you know, interesting again, like but different theme music, different looks. I think it's good for Ambrose. And are we going to see a different look out of uh, Roman Reigns? Uh, may, perhaps tonight. Maybe we see a new look uh, at the pay per view. Who knows? Or maybe he's going to be the guy that stays true to the Shield. Remains to be seen what direction they're going to go in, but we got a lot of stuff to get into. There's the Shield breakup, going into Money in the Bank, and on the other side of the news break, 
We got David, Dr. David Reese on the line, so we're going to get to him right after this break. For now, it is time for Dave and his Day 5 News Report. Take it away, Dave. Thank you very much, Ken. This is the Day 5 News Report, only heard at the top of the hour every single Monday night here on the Ken Reedy Show. Our first story this week, CNA's John Gaburik announced this weekend that former ECW alumni Tommy Dreamer and the man-beast Rhino have been confirmed to make appearances at the upcoming New York City Impact tapings on June the 25th, the 26th, and the 27th. Gaburik also announced last night that former TNA Tag Team Champion Homicide, along with former X Division Champion Loki and former WWE Developmental Talent Brian Cage, will be joining Dreamer and Rhino at the New York City television tapings for the Destination X television special being taped on June the 26th. New Japan Pro Wrestling announced this week that they will be partnering with Jeff Jarrett's Global Force Wrestling promotion. It's currently unknown what the deal entails. However, sources say it could be a similar deal that Global Force Wrestling has already with Mexico's top promotion, AAA, with exchanging of talent. Multiple outlets reported this weekend that 2014 WWE Hall of Famer Scott Hall appeared 90 minutes late to the New England Fan Festival in allegedly, in allegedly rough shape. Reports of Cyprus of Hall allegedly falling off the wagon at a similar event a few weeks back. Further update the situation, WrestlingNewsSource.com reports that they received word from a representative of Clutch City Productions who arranged for Hall's appearance. And this individual noted that Hall was a little late, however stayed two extra hours making sure everyone got taken care of and only one refund was given out. The Wrestling Observer reports that WWE apparently is looking for talent that are younger than 31 years of age. Former Olympic wrestler Jeff Cobb, who is 31, moved to Sacramento, California to train under Oliver Johns and got word from WWE that his age could be an issue on potentially signing him. In related news, WWE had 30 men and women at the Performance Center recently for a tryout. Nothing notable has come out of the session, which likely means that not many well-known indie talents were in attendance. In our final story this week, it was noted a few months ago that Vicky Guerrero was on her way out of WWE following WrestleMania 30. It now looks like that after her vomit angle with Roman Reigns and Stephanie McMahon, it looks like this could signal the end of her run on WWE TV very soon. Reports a while back suggested that Guerrero was earning a college degree online and was looking to focus more on school and away from WWE. And there you have it, folks. That was the Day 5 News Report. Only heard at the top of the hour every single Monday night on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, back to you. Good stuff. Lots of interesting stuff happening in the wonderful world of pro wrestling. Good report. We're going to get out there because we got Dr. David Reese, who's been a great uh, fan of the show and a, a great guest uh, repeatedly, friend of the show, and uh He's been at the Cauliflower Alley Club, and we'd love to hear his experiences at the Cauliflower Alley Club and how that went. So we're going to get him on right now. Doctor, how are you doing this fine evening? Okay, good to hear you. Great, Great to, to be here. here. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. You were recently out at the Cauliflower Alley Club uh, event. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience out there. Right, well. You know, it's always fun out there, and actually this follows right up on 
your discussion on CNA because one of the uh, presentations I gave was uh, moderating a seminar being given by Chris uh, Daniels and Cass, which was a guess. Uh, so uh, that fits right in. And we talked about some of the things that uh, you were talking about in, in terms of where to draw the line between reality and fantasy. Uh, but in general, you know, Cauliflower Alley Club is always fun. You know, you get to meet everybody. It's not a fan fest. Everybody's willing to talk to you. It's very real. It's very down to earth. Uh, it was a little bit different this year because I moved it to June from April, uh, not to uh, get in the way of WrestleMania, but uh, because of that, some of the older vets, uh, you know, with kids and grandkids, wasn't a great time for them. So we had a lot more younger people, a lot more people from the Indies uh, than we usually had. But it was a great time with some great matches and interesting seminars. Well, what were some of the, I mean, give us a little bit of, uh, you know, you speaking on, I mean, you spoke on blurring the lines. Uh, give us a little bit of, of specifically what you were talking about. Yeah, uh, the the seminar that I didn't really participate much in, I was more of a moderator just throwing in a couple of words here and there uh, with Kaz and Chris Daniels was basically for the, the guys and women uh, in the indies uh, on, you know, how to take your career to a high level, how to go back and forth between the majors and minors and the, and the differences. And one of the things we talked about was that Spots are great and spots are entertaining, but, you know, if all you do is spots, basically you can be replaced very easily by the next person who can do something a little stranger or a little bit better, whereas if you connect with the audience emotionally, then you're going to be there over and over and over again. And connecting emotionally means really being involved in the storyline and really pushing the limits of suspension of reality. Uh, sure, we all know what we know about wrestling, but, you know, I know for myself personally, and I think for most fans other than, you know, kids who really are just watching for the spectacle, you know, it's really great where you're not sure where the boundary is between what may have some reality in the relationship between the people in the ring and what storyline. It's interesting because last week we had on the show uh, Mario Mancini who was talking on how, uh, he believes that that storytelling, uh, especially storytelling within the ring uh, during matches, uh, is a lost art form, and was kind of alluding to similar to what you're saying that too many uh, guys, especially on the indie scene, just are all about the spots. Um, do you think that the that in ring storytelling is is becoming a, a lost art form? And and if so, like how do you think we can fix it and move it back in the other direction? Uh, I mean, I personally do. Of course, I'm talking from my own perspective as a fan for more years than I want to mention. Uh, but I know a lot of the workers, both the veterans and even the, the young people coming up, also feel that. They take a lot of pride in telling a story in the ring. And, you know, they feel pressured at times to do the spots. Uh, but their real creativity is in making the spots fit a story rather than in just being an acrobat. Uh, so mm -hmm. I think it, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, keep going. Yeah, I, I think it really is to some extent a lost art, uh, and the more that someone, especially some of the TV and a couple of the indie shows I've been to really focus on the, let's put it, the acrobatic, the athletic end of it without maintaining the story, uh, it loses something, and it plays to a different audience and probably a smaller audience. Uh, but 
you know, the, the guys and the women that I've talked to, no matter what age, they really take pride in being able to tell a story and really want to learn how to do it. And it's not easy to do. You know, some people just have it. Some people can learn it. Some people have a hard time with it. All right, Doc. You and I have spoken once before. We talked about a uh, some of some of the the, the the funnier times at the Cauliflower Alley Club. You had mentioned the story with uh, Jake Roberts a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> you remember that anything one? Anything enter? Any? I, I'm pretty sure you did. It's kind of hard to forget that one. I had my own similar experience with Rhino it, uh, last it's year. Kind of hard to forget city. looking up from the urinal and seeing Jake the Snake next to you. <laughs> yeah. But was there anything that kind of came close to that this year? But, uh, you know, this year we didn't have quite as many big names, but, but, you know, Terry Funk is always Terry Funk, and J.J. Dillon is always J.J. Dillon, and they just tell great stories, and are, uh, it's just great to listen to them. Uh, and, you know, what's great is to hear them go after each other and to see the guys teasing each other and telling the old stories. Uh, you know, in the past, some of the award winners who were longtime vets, you know, they were, uh, I think Steamboat went on for almost an hour, and it was very entertaining. This year, most of the award winners were, were younger people, so we didn't have as much of that. Uh, but it's always fun listening to them. I can't say there was any one high spot, uh, but I, I really, you know, I mean, Adam Pierce is always a great talker. You know, he, he got the Active Men's Award. Uh, he was great, um, and it, it was just very entertaining being around everybody and seeing them not playing to an audience other than themselves, which is the best audience. That's awesome. Excellent. Excellent. Is there? Is, is ahead, there one more question? Is there any talent that you had that you had seen out there this year that just kind of jumped out at you? Somebody that's not been discovered yet that should get a contract and be on television? Is there anyone out there in particular that really, you know, gravitated towards you? Uh, you know, well, of course, I mean, the person who was very impressed was the person who we do know, which is Rob win winning the uh, uh, belt, the NWA belt uh, at Cauliflower Alley Club. Um, there were a lot, but, you know, unfortunately, I don't know their names, and a lot of them were behind a lot of makeup these days. But there was definitely some good talent. There's a lot of young talent out there. And uh, some of them do need to learn to tell better. Uh, it, you know, usually there's one night of matches, and it goes about four or five hours. This year it was broken into two nights, so it was more digestible. But, you know, it, it took a few hours into the matches to see a hole. <laughs> but uh, there were some really talented people there. And, uh, you know, the, the final match where Rob won the title was fantastic. Of course, the matches were, uh, with the people from TNA and, uh, you know, a couple of the vets from WWE were great, but a lot of young talent coming up. Do you think as you talk about that, and, and we're referencing this, talking about uh, TNA, and you're talking about the, the young talent, um, do you think, like, the way TNA is, is kind of working now with, with HOH and, you know, we, we hit upon blurring the lines, uh, could this be a sound business strategy for TNA to kind of set themselves apart and really tap into the independent scene? I, I think you hit the nail on the head. That, you know, WWE is doing their thing, and you know it's staged. They make no bones about it, which leaves a gap 
uh, that TNA can fill by doing just that. Uh, get right in the middle of reality and storytelling, keep everyone guessing, and that's going to draw you an audience and give you a spot that the WWE isn't taking and really doesn't need right now. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think for all of us as fans, we're, we're kind of we're rooting for TNA. Um, you know, at times it's, it hasn't been the best product, but, uh, you know, we'd love to see it uh, succeed. Uh, before I let you go, I'm, you know, as we keep talking about the, the storytelling aspect, going back, you know, who, in your opinion, give us one, two, or, you know, a couple, who are the best in-ring storytellers uh, for, for young wrestlers coming up that you would say, go watch this guy's matches. Who, who is the best storytellers to you? Well, I'm going to mention someone that you just mentioned because, you know, now I haven't seen a tape of a match of his for probably a couple decades, but it had a big impression on me. That was back when I was in Chicago uh, in the, uh, this would have been the early 70s, Ox Baker. Uh, you know, when he threw that hot punch, you never knew whether someone's heart was going to actually explode. Uh, you know, his promos, uh, you know, he told a story. Uh, you know, and a lot of those guys in those days, they, they told the story in the ring, they told the story out of the ring. Uh, and I would watch, you know, some of those smaller promotions, not national promotions, but where you had the same characters who maintained, they may go back and forth between our faith, baby face and heel, but they were personalities and they were personalities that were very strong and that really interacted with each other on an emotional level. It really is amazing how, how much things have changed. Cause we, we actually had Ox Baker on here a little while back and he still, I couldn't, I couldn't actually do an interview with him. He still would not break character. It was just, he still was totally in character, would not let me get a word in, just yelled at us for about five minutes and then hung up on us. <laughs> and still has the mustache. Yeah, he does. I mean, but that's what it said. I mean, I guess, like, you hit the nail on the head, you know. Back in the day, they'd maintain the character in the ring, out of the ring, out on the street, you know, whether it was on camera or off camera, uh, they were maintaining uh, that character where it's, it's kind of changed a, a bit now. But interesting. So Ox Baker, you young wrestlers, if you're listening, go watch some old uh, Ox right. Baker matches. Now, so, some uh, of those uh, old Chicago matches, Ox Baker, Moose Cholak, uh, some of those guys, uh, and also some of the old Georgia Championship. Uh, like one of the persons getting an award was uh, uh, Terry. And I, I still remember when uh, Jake uh, DDT'd uh, Terry on a chair. And, boy, that was as real as it could get. And uh, that feud went on for quite a while, and that was a big story, and that was great. It's all great stuff, and it's funny because, like, even you know, growing up as as we were kids, you know, you, you kind of got older and then started to realize it was scripted. I think even now, with with especially the way the WWE does things, at a at a very young age, kids know that it was that it's scripted now. Yeah, yeah, and it would be nice if there was just a little bit of doubt. You know, I mean, even if it was, okay, I know it's scripted, but maybe these guys really don't like each other. <laughs> Just bringing that into it. You know, or maybe these guys really do, uh, you know, want to protect each other, you know, on a tag team or whatever. You know, just to bring a little bit of reality into it makes it much more interesting. 
Couldn't agree with you more. Doctor, thank you for spending some time with us. I know you, you have, like, one of the busiest schedules. Uh, every time <laughs> I, I see on Twitter, you're off. Uh, where, where, where are the next uh, couple of weeks, couple of months taking you in your uh, – uh, Oh, boy, I've been all over the place. I was at the Sports Lawyers Association Convention in, um, in uh, Chicago before Cauliflower Alley Club. Right now I'm up in Vermont uh, consulting up here, and then I go back to San Diego in a couple of weeks. Very good. And, and uh, could you give everyone what's your Twitter handle if uh, people would like to follow you out there? Sure. It's at DMR Dynamics. That's one word. That's both my Twitter handle uh, and my uh, web, website, www.dmrdynamics.com. Thank you so much for giving us some time. We'll have to get you on again sooner. Uh, it's been a while since we got to talk. Love talking uh, that in-ring psychology. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, good stuff from the doctor. You know, it, it, it's interesting how, you know, the, these guests, we didn't plan them week to week, but uh, Mario Mancini and then Dr. Reese both kind of talking about uh, in-ring psychology. And, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily gone, but, you know, close to a lost art form. Interesting how they both kind of feel the same way about that, Dave. I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, it's, you know, I... I I said to Miriam and Tina last week that I'm pretty sure that the talent out there wants to tell a story, a longer story than they, than they do on television. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with not learning, uh, you know, from being in different territories. And psychology has a, a big part in it as well because you really can't tell a story in three or four minutes. A three or four minute story back, you know, 25, 30 years ago was your ring entrance. <laughs> that was the you know, if you want to talk about telling the story in three or four minutes, it was your ring entrance, you know, back in those days. So I, I, I totally agree with them. And it's just one of those things that just, it's, it, it, it's how the wrestling business has evolved. Unfortunately, you know, some people get left behind. I'm not saying that the doctor or Mancini are being left behind, but I, I do believe that, uh, that these guys out there, they want to tell a story, they can't. And it's just the way wrestling is these days. And if you slow it down a little bit, some people might just feel, well, it's kind of too boring. I think at least younger fans will feel that way. I agree with you. And that that's part of the problem, though, because I think, you know, the doctor brought up a really good point. You know, if you're surviving off of your spots, that's a short career. You know, it's, it's tough to maintain that. And there's going to be someone a few years younger than you that's going to be able to come in and do the spots, you know, better than you. And it just it winds up being this rotation of these small guys just doing these spots on these indie shows. Whereas, you're right, it, it's a catch-22. You can try and tell the story, but does that alienate certain fans? It, it's an interesting dynamic as this business continues to evolve and change. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. You want to talk TNA? You want to talk... Tommy Dreamer, HOH, you want to talk about what the good doctor just, just talked about, Cauliflower Club? You want to talk about ROH. Last night, pay-per-view, heard some really great stuff about it. Money in the Bank Sunday, Monday Night Raw tonight. So many things to talk about. We got a lot of you on hold. Bring it strong. We want to hear anything. Rest of the show, it's all about you, the callers. Let's hear it. We're going to go right out to Tony. As Tony, are you there? I'm here, guys. I'm here. Yep. All right. I'm with Ring of Honor. I, I I saw it last night. Amazing, amazing show. Great show. Uh, 
I, I just can't say enough good things about Ring of Honor right now. You know, it's like they really know how to have great matches. They, you know, they tell the stories well. I mean, a lot of it really feels like, you know, as as close to the old school feel of, uh, you know, storytelling as you're going to get with Ring of Honor. It's like they, they just they just do, they just do everything so amazingly. You know, like the guy uh, Delirious, um, you know. Is the uh, the Booker of the uh, of there and and uh, he and I don't know if he does it himself or whatever, but it's like the, 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 yeah, he, he really knows how to book a book a really good, really amazing product. I mean, you know, it's like you had you had great matches, you know, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Michael Elgin uh, finally you know, you know, beat Adam Cole for the Ring of Honor uh, for the championship. Uh, the Briscoes and Matt Hardy, the Briscoes and uh, uh, Mike Bennett and Matt Hardy was a good no DQ match. Matt Hardy took a took a really oh man a sick super uh, superplex off his tall ladder through the table, and he was you know it's like he he put over you know because Matt, Matt's going to TNA so he really put Briscoes over big on his way out, but. Uh, and, I, uh, I, I you know, saw that I saw that spot and that was that was a pretty intense spot and it's. It's been interesting, you know, Matt Hardy, talk about it, a, an interesting career. I mean, a guy that, you know, was kind of a, a screw-up, you know, TNA briefly goes out on the indie scene and, and has really made a, a, a legit name for himself out there as, as on the indie scene. I mean, tag team, you know, great tag team history for Matt Hardy, you know, kind of floundered about, but... Interesting to see what he did on the independency, and I heard that was a great match last night. Matt Hardy's done a lot of good in wrestling over the past few months. He definitely has, yeah. You know, I mean, I definitely got to give him, you know, I definitely got to give him, give him a lot of credit. The guy's been, the guy has been doing a lot. You know, I mean, like I say his match was awesome last night. You know, and then they had um, Kazarian and Daniels were against uh, Red Dragon. And another really awesome match, you know, that came up on they came up short, but you know, it was a tag title match for Director of Champions. But you know, it was a great match. It was really great. It was nice to see. You know, it was great to see Daniels like Kazarian in a Ring of Honor. It's just you know, it's, it's you know, it's like the, 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 they let the guys do so much more there in the ring. You know, it's like the matches are really, you know, the matches are really are really well done. You know, it's like you know, there was a six man um, six man match too. You know, six guys where he gets a shot at the TV title. And that was an opener, and it was a great way to, uh, you know, to introduce like the, any like new fans to, to 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 the product, you know, for for anyone who hadn't seen it before, because this was their first live regular pay per view, and it was, you know, it, it was a it was a great, like it was all around, it, it was it was just a great it was just a great pay per view. You have I, a, ma- a match of the night? Oh man, match of the night! Oh, I don't know. They just, See, that's the good. That's the good thing about Ring of Honor. You know, it's like it's like they all the matches are like all the matches are so amazing. It's like it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick a favorite because because most most parts are all they're all really, they all really stand out. Cedric Alexander and Roderick Strong had a really great submission match. Yeah, you know, um, Cedric. You know, Sarah, Cedric actually went over beating Roderick Strong with his own submission, which is the Walls of Jericho, where he calls it the Stronghold. But uh, it and it was a really yeah. Like I said, it, it was an awesome show. Really, it's funny because I, like, I haven't, you know, I I, I go to the uh, ROH website occasionally. Like I try to at least keep up to date on it, but I, I don't. I I'll, I fully admit, full disclosure, I don't really watch uh, ROH. But I got to be honest, like you're doing a real good selling job tonight because, uh, you know, just the idea that you're saying that you know they put on a good show top to bottom. You can't pick a match of the night, 
and they got some of that good storytelling. Uh, you know, that's really getting me like, you know, maybe I got to, I got to catch this or I got to, you know, find time to follow ROH a, a little more closely. You know, I've heard so many good things about ROH, but I got to say right now, like what you're saying that they kind of have that old school psychology, um, you know, it's, it's kind of getting me and maybe I got to, got to check that out. Um, you know, switching gears, just you know, going into Money Night Raw tonight, Tony, and, and next week's uh, Money in the Bank. I, I, you know, you're a big fan. You're you're you, you know you're wrestling. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts. Interesting that there's there's only three matches booked for the Money in the Bank. Um, you know, the, and one match only has one guy in it, and that's one of the ladder matches. Uh, you know, ladder matches are always entertaining, but uh, we should have a lot of stuff happen tonight on Raw. We should get uh, Rollins' opponents in uh, the Money in the Bank. What are your thoughts going into tonight and following, you know, into Sunday for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view? Um, so probably maybe they'll add a few matches on tonight, you know, tonight. You know, I'm, I'm sure we'll find out who the uh, who's going to be in Money in the Bank. I mean, you know, there have been, you know, like guys have been doing short promos who have, you know, like have hinted at being in it. And I'm probably, you know, guys like, the, you know, Ziggler, Barrett, uh, well, Barrett, uh, you know, uh, Van, uh, RVD, uh, the, the Metro Kofi in there, you know, you, you know Ambrose, just so he and Rollins, do, I don't know, maybe, you know, Dick says something up with those two or whatever, you know, because Dick says something up with those two maybe. Um, but, you know, it's like all the guys who, probably all the guys who lost the qualifying matches for the other for the other ladder match are going to be uh, are going to be in this one, you know, like I say, RVD, uh, you know, Kofi Kings will probably be in there so he can do some kind of, you know, like some kind of crazy spot at the ladder. You know, and uh, you know, so there's going to be like probably I guess seven guys in this one too. So it's uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's uh, I'm, I'm guessing those are the guys that are going to be in the, in the uh, the one for the briefcase. It should be. I mean, those ladder matches are always entertaining. Um, you know, it's just weird that like it, it, you know the raw before the pay per view, and we only have three matches booked. So we'll see what happens. I mean, setting up for a very interesting raw tonight. Uh, God willing, we don't have any more puking uh, tonight on Monday oh, yeah. Night Raw. Yes. But uh, you know, hopefully have... going on in my house. <laughs> <laughs> that was nasty, man. That was you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, puke can be funny, but I, 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 I yeah, kind of turned my stomach a little bit. Uh, it just it was the puke was just too realistic looking. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really. Uh... It was one of those angles that, you know, it's like the, the comedy that Vince finds hilarious, but it's like everyone else is like, what? Uh, you know, yeah, just a, to me at least it came off. The whole segment, everything with the, from what Roman Reigns and the coffee and the sweetener, and I, everything just seemed way too contrived and, and just silly. I wasn't a big fan of it. But, Tony, yeah. thanks for giving us a call, and give us a call next Monday so we can uh, get your reaction on uh, – how the Money in the Bank pay-per-view unfolds. Take it easy, man. Thanks a lot. You too. Thanks for the call. And let's we're going to stick with the phones. We want to hear what you guys think. we got Mr. Trivia on the line. Trivia, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. How are you tonight? Good. I just uh, spoke with Mario. I guess he had a great night last night. He wanted to thank you guys very much for having him on. He was very impressed with your show, very impressed with... Uh, your knowledge of the show and him and I talked a little bit about the Pat Patterson story that he's going to bring back eventually. And we'll see what's up with that. But, uh, 
Yeah, we got to get him say, back on. Like, I mean, talk about, you know, ending an interview and just, I mean, that he nailed it. I mean, talk about hitting the nail on the head where it was just like, all right, when, we got to book him again because I, I got to hear the Pat Patterson story. So, well, well done on Mario's part to kind of, again, I said it to him. Leave us wanting more, so I, I can't wait to hear that story yeah, on the yeah. air. What do you got for us yeah, tonight? Yeah. Oh, it, was very, it was very nice of him to mention uh, my show in, the, in his Hall of Fame speech. I was very honored about that. And uh, also, guys, my take on the, on the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, uh, I'd like to get like your, your opinion on it. And um, um, I, think I think the winner... The winner well, probably, uh, I'm probably going out on a limb here, but I think the winner is going to be Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, they're, it looks like they're grooming him. And uh, I, hope, I really hope John Cena doesn't win, because I can't see him being champion for 17th time. But, guys, I'm going to be listening to your responses, because I have uh, Shady on the other line getting ready to do an interview with him. So, guys, have a great night. Thank you very much. And we'll get in t- I'll get in touch with Mario again one other time, and uh, enjoy. Enjoy. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. We'll definitely discuss. Thanks, trivia. So yeah, I mean, it's funny with that the championship money in the bank. uh, What trivia is bringing up, you know, I I, for me, I I just I know the groom in Roman Reigns, and we're you know we right here on this show were on the Reigns bandwagon first. We were the ones above everybody on the planet. We were on the bandwagon first. But I just kind of think it's too soon. I, 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 he's going to have that championship at some point, but I, I don't know if he's necessarily ready for it. I, I, you know what? In, in the internet, we may. I, I'm going to say this, and we might actually see the entire internet crap out. But and I'm not saying this necessarily what I want, but knowing everything that's that's gone on in the WWE, looking at the the people. You know, business-wise, the, the stock issues, the network issues, looking at the, the landscape of that championship ladder match, the players in that match, um, if I were a betting man, I, I put my money on John Cena to be winning that match. That's, that, you know, and again, I'm not saying it's necessarily great, it's not horrible, but they lost the most popular wrestler, perhaps around um they're scrambling john cena's got a media presence he's got a name notoriety he's, he's a guy that you know what he can be a transitional champion and it's not going to hurt him he's still john cena um so i don't know as much as i think roman reigns will be the champ at some point i don't think he comes out of this match as champion i would put my money on john cena honestly what are your thoughts on what uh mr trivia said um yeah. uh, reigns yeah, yeah, I could see why he would feel that feel way that. about him being the champion. But I think Reigns is too soon for him to be honest with you. I think he needs to get his feet wet in a singles in a singles capacity first before he even sniffs the WWE title. Um, I agree with you. I think Cena is a safe bet. I also think Orton is a safe bet too. Those two guys have consistently headlined pay per views over the course of God, I would say you know five, six, seven, maybe eight years collectively. So, um, like you said, Cena has a media presence. Brian's been hurt, and the uh, you know the stock crashing. It, it, it would work for John Cena. I do think a transitional championship run would be good for him. I don't. At the same time, I don't. I don't want anyone going near Ric Flair's record. But Cena's going to be pretty. Cena will be one away if he gets another title. However, 
part of me thinks a couple of things could take place. There's been a lot of talk uh, recently that Sheamus was going to be turned heel. Well, that didn't seem to happen. And, you know, it's common knowledge that Sheamus and Triple H are, are workout buddies, what have you. But part of me thinks Sheamus could be a dark horse to win this whole thing, setting up a Randy Orton babyface turn, and Sheamus is the new face of WWE with Triple H's backing. Um, I think they could go in that direction. I also think, too, that it could go in the direction that no matter who wins the title, one of those individuals is going to get cashed in on by the winner of the Money in the Bank contract ladder match from earlier in the evening. It's just, to me, like, Wyatt doesn't need the belt. He's two over. Cesaro and Reigns, both individuals, they still, I think they need to get wet, you know, in the single scene first before they go near the title picture. Um, Alberto Del Rio, he hasn't even sniffed the main event and he's in this match. There's no way he's winning the title. And I'll go on record and, and, and uh, apologize for, for, for saying that if he does win the title. Um, Randy Orton, Cena, Sheamus, all three, yes, they could hold the title, but it's not something that's really going to jump out at you and be a, a, a solution in the, in the absence of being a Bryant. So part of me thinks that depending on who's in that Money in the Bank ladder match, we might see somebody cash in on the champion at the end of the evening. I, you know, it's a good point, and, and I could see that happening as well, which is why I think a John Cena would make sense, because to me, you don't want, you're, you're, you're building Bray Wyatt, you're building Roman Reigns, you're building Cesaro, you do not want those guys to win the title and then lose it right away. Um, you know, that, that would hurt him. It doesn't hurt, like, Cena's still Cena. He's, he's, he's untouchable, you know, he's, he's. He's got his spot. He, he will always be that guy. You know, he he can go on a you know a two month losing streak. He's he's still John Cena, so he's a guy that that can sustain that. I, I agree with. You. I think Orton would be a candidate, uh, but I, I don't know. Like he just had the title. I, I don't see him winning. Um, but the Sheamus thing is an interesting take. If if they decide that that's the night, but again, if Sheamus turns heel, then I don't think you'll see a, a cash in necessarily. Uh, that night. So there's a lot of questions, which is, again, good going into a pay-per-view that you have a lot of questions. Hopefully we'll get some answers um, as far as tonight, as far as that other ladder match. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Let's go back out to the phones. We got Anthony on the line. Anthony, how you doing this evening? What's up, guys? How are you? Doing all right. What do you got? I'm um, doing good. Uh, before I get into the uh, Money in the Bank stuff, I wanted to uh, follow up with uh, what Tony was talking about with the ROH. Awesome, awesome show. The first paper, non-WWE pay-per-view that I've gotten since last year's Slammiversary, which was awful, and I haven't gotten another DNA pay-per-view since then. But uh, I was entertained from start to finish. There was probably ten times I jumped up off the couch and was cheering. Um Loved it. The camera angles were a little hard to follow a little with some of the high-flying stuff they were doing. It got a little weird. Like, it almost it almost felt like you were watching one of those indie DVDs where you're like, oh, why are they shooting it from this angle? But uh, uh, that's that would be my one knock. But other than that, entertainment value was through the roof. Absolutely loved it. That's good. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as a wrestling fan, I mean, you, you try to be that – you know, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan. I love all wrestling. But reality is reality, and money is money. And, and most of us wrestling fans are not made of money. And 
you know, when it comes to a pay-per-view, it's like, you know, where am I going to get the most bang for my buck? And, and you know, you just kind of, you kind of wind up sticking with the WWE. So uh, it's it's interesting that um, you know, you you've gone this long without uh, getting a, a, a another pay per view, and you went with uh, what made you decide to get this ROH pay per view beforehand? I'll be, oh my my honest reason for for getting it was um, Michael Bennett and uh, Matt Taving are uh, NEW Bestie regulars. They're at every show. And they always bring in ROH guys like Bobby Fish and Tommaso Campa and all those guys to wrestle them. And the best matches of the night are always those matches, for me anyway. So, you know, I was sitting there talking about it with Jasmine, and we check it out just based on the fact that we've seen so many of those guys wrestle, and they put on such a good show. got to be kind of what our reach is all about, so let's check it out, and I was pretty happy I did it. Well, good job on ROH. It looks like they've uh, definitely, they, they've got at least two more fans out of last night. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But as far as the uh, uh, going into Money in the Bank, uh, I agree with what you guys are saying about Reigns. It's definitely too soon as much as I love him. We haven't really seen him even have a feud with anyone yet as a singles competitor or can he carry his weight on his own? I don't think you could put a title on a guy like that. So I, I'm, you know, I'm going to be there, and I'm probably going to be rooting for Cena or Mark out a little bit, especially since he's almost like going to get booed out of the building up there, which is mind-boggling considering he's like should be a hometown hero. But I'll be up there rooting for him. But I got the feeling uh, with with all the. Um, Daniel Bryan stuff and them not really knowing what was going on. I think it almost held up their plans for so long that they really didn't get to build in a lot of other stuff going in match-wise. I think their, you know, uncertainty kind of held them up. So I think we're probably in for a pretty pretty big show tonight, I would think. Just at least to build up and what are we actually going to see when we go there someday, you know? Because it's kind of now it's like, well, you know the big match, yeah. You know it's going to be great. Well, what else are we going to see before that? So I think tonight there'll be a lot. We'll, we're probably going to learn a lot with tonight's Raw. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. I mean, when it comes to you know WWE, and and, and it's funny with a lot of wrestling fans because you know you get the whole all oh, the WWE doesn't push this guy. All oh, the WWE's buried. Triple H buried Daniel Bryan. I mean, the WWE spent uh, you know almost a year building. <laughs> Daniel Bryan to to a, a a bona fide you know main event most popular guy in the world WrestleMania 30 not just a WrestleMania but WrestleMania 30 he not only is in the main event but he wins the unified championship the WWE put a lot of time and effort into the Daniel Bryan story and you got it. It's a good point, Anthony. They have got to be in a place where they've been scrambling. That just what are we going to do? And, you know, I'm sure there's like hundreds of script pages that are like have gone through the paper shredder because, you know, Daniel Bryan is, is not available. Um, but because of that, you know, maybe we get a little less predictability and uh, should be interesting to see. Uh, how this turns out. I know you said you're rooting for John Cena in that in the uh, championship match. 
Uh, if you were a betting man, you put your money on him? Um, probably, I'll go, uh, gun to my head, yes. Um, just for this, the reasons that you guys brought up with the other big three, why it's Cesaro and, and Reigns, I don't think they're ready for it yet. So, logically, I would say, you know, 70% Cena and maybe 25% Orton and then 5% for somebody else. I, I doubt it would be Del Rio. Del Rio. I, I'll actually, I'll be honest with you, if it's Del Rio, I'm going to stand up and boo when he wins because it's going to annoy me. But I can't see them doing that. Um, well, you know, Dave did bring up Cena, so I could see that. I, I'm going, I'll go with Cena, though. I'd probably put money on it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, fans got to, you can't fault the company. I mean, it is a business ultimately, and, you know, with what happened to Daniel Bryan, if they're, you know, you go back to what's an already proven entity. I I, I can't fault them uh, for for going in that direction. So we'll we'll see what happens. I think uh, the suspense with everything with this pay-per-view is really, uh, a lot will be answered tonight to see who is in the uh, contract uh, ladder match, and, and that should be intriguing. Anthony, thank you so much for the call. And uh, after next week, I want to hear from you on Monday. Let us know what it was like in the arena and what you thought of the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a ring. Uh, it's a big uh, wrestling weekend for us. we got a, another W Bethany show Saturday and then Money in the Bank, and then we're going to be at Raw, so I'll give you a, I'll give you a ring from inside the uh, – the Excel Center in Hartford and let you know what's going on and how the uh, weekend was. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Take it easy, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Tony. Interesting stuff, you know, and that's the thing, like, as we switch gears a bit and, you know, we're predicting the championship match, but looking at uh, the other match, you know, we got Seth Rollins in there um, as, as Seth Rollins, you know, continues to build himself as a, uh, a bona fide single star, but who else? Who else is going to be in this match for this contract? And do we have an immediate cash-in? Um, you know, as far as names go, I don't know. There's so many other names on the roster. Is there any names that would, would surprise you as a fan? I, you know, the one thing that I am interested about and I, and I want to see what's going to happen is do we hear the name Brock Lesnar? Mentioned this evening as being put in the ladder contract match. Perhaps, I, I know, you know, our story idea where we down the road where we thought Cesaro could win the Royal Rumble and go after Brock Lesnar at, at WrestleMania down the road a piece. Um, some people are speculating. Do we see Cesaro uh, win the championship and, and Lesnar wins uh, the, the contract? I I. I don't see that scenario playing out, but uh, it's kind of intriguing to see what names could be added to that contract match, Dave. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to see some guys that are going to bring some excitement to the match. I'm sure we might see a Rob Van Dam, like Tony said earlier, Kofi, a Dolph Ziggler, although they might be going a Dolph Ziggler against Wade Barrett for the Intercontinental title. Wade Barrett's another name could possibly be in this Money in the Bank contract ladder match. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're still not sure like Tony, and you said, you know, Daniel Bryan was probably a long-term plan for a while, and his injury threw, you know, a wrench in things. Um, Brock Lesnar name, let me just say right now, Brock Lesnar is announced or or comes out as a surprise in Boston on Sunday night. I'm putting all my money 
on Brock Lesnar leaving Money in the Bank, not only with the contract, but cashing in on the champion at the end of the night. Um, they, I mean, it was a four, it, to me, it's a foregone conclusion after what he did at WrestleMania, ending the streak, and how Paul Heyman has basically promoted him without being on TV, that he ended the streak, the one in 21 and one. There's a, it's a foregone conclusion that he should have a run with the championship at some point. And, you know, a lot of Jim Ross wrote a blog on it this past weekend. You know, Lesnar doesn't have to be a full-time guy to be the champion. Um, what's going to draw them money is to pay people to see, you know, have people, you know, pay to see, uh, you know, their hero try to take him down as the champion every once in a while. The champion wasn't on TV every single week back in, you know, 20, 25 years ago. So I'm, I'm telling you right now, if Lesnar's name gets thrown in there, he's winning the whole thing. He's walking out with the belt in Boston on Sunday. Interesting prediction. What do you guys think? We're going to go back out to the phones. we got Mike on the line. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Hey, guys. What's going on tonight? Not much. Talking a little money in the bank. We've been all over the place, actually. We actually you, know, hit you, guys are about you guys are talking about 25 years ago, and the champion didn't need to be, and he was a storyline. Listen, the champion didn't, correct. But my thing is this, okay? Brock Lesnar... I'm, I mean, I don't know. Did you guys hear the same thing? I hear he's coming to SummerSlam. I hear he's main eventing SummerSlam. He's going to face whoever the champion is. That's what I'm hearing. I don't know if you guys heard the same thing. Well, I've heard he's, I've I've heard heard that he's too, going however, to be wrestling they, at SummerSlam. Go ahead, Dave. I've heard, I've heard that he's supposed to make an appearance at SummerSlam. The original plan was him and Daniel Bryan. There was talk of having Cesaro win the money in the bank and then cash in on Lesnar after beating Brian, setting up something with the two of them down the road. Um, you know, obviously those plans could have changed, but, you know, Lesnar's supposed to be a big focal point of SummerSlam, um, you know, headlining that event, whether he's challenging the champion or he is the champion. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they changed things up a bit because, quite frankly, they make money with Brock Lesnar, whether he's there one, one day out of the year or 365 days out of the year. Brock Lesnar is a proven commodity financially for WWE. He is? Did you, yes, you, said that with a straight, you said that with a straight face, Dave? Yes, well, yeah, I, yes I did. I did say that with a straight face. So I was going to say, I didn't know. On radio. Yes, well, you no, did honestly, that. Hold on a sec, Mike. If you look at the numbers when he returned, okay, the pay-per-view buy race in his main event against John Cena at Extreme Rules were up considerable, were a considerable amount in 2012 prior to, than to 2011. When he main evented SummerSlam with Triple H, okay, not the greatest match in the world, but that buy rate was up a couple hundred thousand buys because Brock Lesnar was the headliner. Brock Lesnar brings in viewers. He's got a following. He's a brand name. He's, you know, he's got sponsorship behind him that's outside of WWE, that people watch him to see what he's going to do, whether it's a scripted fight or if it's a real fight. He has a following, and he's a proven commodity financially for WWE. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And your response, Mike? My response to that is, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, you know, but to me, to me, when Brock Lesnar left the WWE, he should have stayed left. I mean, that's that's how I'm looking at it. I mean, yeah, he's a he, he's a you saying he's a money maker, yeah. But the bottom line is, you know, I I you know I always seen Brock Lesnar 
when well, I was I'm still, I was going to say I was there. I was here when uh, people were saying about him and when he when he beat the Rock with Paul Heyman. And you know, Brock Lesnar is is I'm going to say this. Brock Lesnar is a talented guy. He's a rough guy. He just doesn't do it for me. You know, I mean, he he might make he may make the company money, and that's good for them because they need it. But the company they they're doing weird things these days, like. For instance, Cody Rhodes is Stardust now. What do you, I'm curious, this, what do you think of that? This, I, I actually think that, I mean, unless he's upset with his father, is he feuding with Dusty? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. But I, I, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I, I think this is, it's, I, I think this is Dust, that this is Dustin Rhodes. Maybe is it Dustin Rhodes maybe trying to show his creativity side and getting on you know getting on one on page one with um with Dusty I mean with Dustin or I mean Goldust whatever he is or or is this just them trying to show each other up I mean in this day and age it it just it's just weird to me I mean I love Cody I mean you know when he was Cody Rhodes, I figured maybe he could spice something up, and coming back as Stardust is just I don't I don't know. To me, I mean I don't know if it's gonna I don't know if they're gonna have a, you know, chink in the lane. You know I don't know if the fence is gonna break. I I I don't know, but I I would I would like to see Dusty Ro- Dustin Rhodes goes us turn on Cody. That's what I would like to see, and see Cody go I, back I, into I, his I mean, old. I think you're going to see the exact opposite. I, I think this gimmick is, I, I, you know, now who knows? If the crowd loves Stardust, then maybe it winds up being a long-term gimmick. For me and, and my impression of it, I, I see it being a short-term gimmick, and it would not shock me at all if this gimmick leads to a bona fide heel turn uh, from Cody where he, he does this for a little while and he's like, you just bought into it. This is ridiculous painting yourself up in gold and blah, blah, blah. So I, I could see this this was almost kind of a way to make fun of Goldust and we, we have a bona fide heel turn. But who knows, man, you know, stranger things have happened. If the crowd really digs on Stardust, uh, you know, maybe we see a lot more Stardust. I mean, the, ti- the, the timeline that Goldust did it, when, when Dustin Rhodes did it, there was, there was something there. McMahon saw another opportunity to take a dump on the common man, if you will. But, you know, and that was, you know, in reading his book and, and I'm very, very intrigued about the, the whole situation, how it came to pass. When when Cody kept on saying when Co- when when Cody and him kept on having these little little things after the matches, I kept on thinking to myself, you know what? I think he's going to turn on Goldust eventually. We're going to have Cody versus Goldust, brother versus brother. Would love to see it. I'm I'm a big fan of brother versus brother matches. Seen a lot in my time. Been in a lot in my time. You know, so brother versus brother was always something I wanted to see whether it be the Hardys, the Hearts, you know, um, the Dudleys. But, you, but you, I, I don't know. I, I just thought they were going to do it. It was going to lead up to it. And then he just looked like he was getting upset with himself, and he had to go find himself. Now he found Stardust. 
a, a dust from gold dust. So it's really not himself, and I see what you're saying. So maybe he finally, maybe he finally loses a match one day, and people laugh at him, or they start laughing at him, and maybe he turns against gold dust. But I would love to see, I would love to see gold dust have a her heel turn. I love when when gold dust is bad. Yeah, I mean, Dave brought up the point a while ago that you know, yeah, I mean, I kind of miss gold dust. Like the real Goldust, it, it, he is, and Dave, I think you said it. He's he's Dustin painted up like Goldust, but he's not really the true Goldust character. It would have been interesting if, if you know. Well, I mean, I'm saying that Cody's going to turn, but if uh, Dustin actually turns, maybe they should just stay together, and and we'll bring in as as their manager Dream Dust. And we'll we'll paint Dusty up too. We'll have Dream Dust, Star Dust, and Gold Dust. But anyway, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead, Dave. Or just bring him out as Old Dust. Old Dust. Old, <laughs> <laughs> old Dust. That's a good one. You could Old, old Dust. That's uh, that that's definitely a good one. What that's, is the oh, name? I like, like that Old uh, Old Dust. That's great, Dave. That's, but that's a good one. Seriously, Dave. What are what are your thoughts on Star Dust? Um, Jerry's out. I think it's a false sense of security for him to turn on Goldust at some point. It all depends on how well this gets over with the audience. I mean, it was very abrupt and out of nowhere. So uh, last week, I think um, it's going to take a little time and to see how this evolves. But um, I give him credit for trying. Definitely give him credit for trying. I mean, you know, I... And then the other, my other point is, WWE gets they break up the one man band, but they don't keep the biggest commodity, which was Drew McIntyre, and they keep Heath Slater, which is like, what are they going to do with Heath? Yeah, I don't know, man. Heath, Heath made me sad the other night when he was like the guy defending the United States of America. It's like, wow, he made America look weak. <laughs> <laughs> he, really, he really, he really did make America look weak. It was, it was almost as sad as when Hacksaw Jim Duggan was standing there by himself. <laughs> and I'm thinking, my God, what the heck happened to my old Hacksaw? You know? Yeah, it was. I was, I was like, wow, he's he's the best we can do to defend America's honor. This is this is not good for us. But yeah, you know, it, it was weird because like, it was, and it was also all of a sudden, you know. Heath was pandering to the crowd. It was uh, all of a sudden. I guess he's going to be kind of a, a face jobber. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think Drew McIntyre was the guy that uh, you know, had a lot of potential. And and I mean, yeah, Intercontinental I mean, champion, and and then, and then before you knew it, he got put into the this it was this three man band business. I mean, I'm glad it ended because I got sick and tired of seeing it. And then they bring Hornswoggle onto the other side. It's it, I, but I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if you were saying about the three matches. I wonder, well, they're probably going to have to throw a women's match in there. You'd figure. I mean, I think we're going to get a lot of stuff tonight as far as, like, how the pay-per-view is going to unfold. I mean, they they got to give us something. I mean, they'll give us uh, the competitors in the contract match, and then, uh, you know, maybe they'll add a, a couple other matches. They have the tag team championship match, but uh, we'll see what happens. But, I think, you know, this... I mean, hopefully tonight's a real good Raw because we should get a lot of uh, a lot of dramatic stuff coming at it tonight. Yeah, because to I, I I don't want no more pukage. As long as we got no more pukage, I think we're good. 
Exactly. Mike, thanks a lot for the call. I want to hear from you next week, your reaction to no money. No problem. I'm definitely, gonna, I'm definitely going to give you guys a call next week, and we'll talk some more about what we love best, right? We love wrestling. That's what it's about. Hell yeah. We'll talk to you later, man. Take it easy. You got it, you brothers. Got it. And Mike, always an, an interesting call. It was a good call night. He actually, we didn't, maybe because we were kind of going uh, back in time and we were all over the place tonight. Mike was, was kind of focused. We didn't get a, you know, WrestleMania 3 midget references or anything. Good call from Mike tonight. Yeah, it was yeah. a reverse uh, Freaky Friday from Mike <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's just like coming out of Raw last week between like Stardust and, and Vicky puking all over the place. It was like, you know, just it, it just it flipped the script a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm all you know. It's like last week's Raw was was good. It wasn't great. Um, but the, the whole like puke segment, I, I agree with Mike when he's like, you know, that was uh, just something he could have done without. Uh, not a great segment, and this might be it for Vicky. And, and, you know, I've always liked Vicky and what she brought to the table, but maybe it's time for Vicky to kind of step away for a little bit and come back down the road a piece. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's time to freshen up that character, and uh, maybe she needs to take a break. And general manager concept just needs to go because it seems the authorities in charge right now, and general managers don't mean jack shit WWE these days. Totally agree with you. Yeah, when when you got the authority character, I mean, the authority character is essentially the, the heel GM character, and so it kind of neuters any sort of power a GM would have. Excellent point. It, it, it makes no sense to have a GM when you have the authority running things week to week. We're going to go back out of the phones. We got Justin on the line. Justin, are you there? Hi, can I miss you, buddy? Miss you, too. How are things? Very good, Very- Ken. All right, so we got a pay-per-view coming up on Sunday. We're going to crown a new WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Alberto Del Rio, Randy Orton, Sheamus, Cesaro, Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, John Cena. I want to know from you, Justin, who's your pick? Who's going to win that match? Randy Orton. Interesting pick, Randy Orton. Any reason why you think Orton's going to take it? Because he's he's a, he's a good competitor. He is a good competitor. Excellent point. I you know honestly, if I was going, to, I mean, I'm picking Cena. Um, but you know what? Almost like what Anthony was saying before. Like if you're kind of going, you know, percentages. Yeah, you know, I'd probably go seventy percent. Like kind of like he was saying, maybe eighty percent Cena and and twenty percent. But Randy Orton would be second for me. Uh, so good pick by you. Uh, um, Justin thinking Randy Orton going to again hold that unified championship. Are you looking forward to the pay-per-view Sunday? Yeah. Good. I'm glad. What are your thoughts on the Shield breaking up? Well, the Shield they need they, they don't they don't listen. They don't listen. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the you know part of the problem. Maybe it's like you know Roman Reigns. And Dean Ambrose don't listen, but then there's Seth Rollins that listened a little too much to the authority, and you know, then all sorts of hijinks ensue, and then look, now there's no more shield. You're right, Ken. I appreciate that, Justin. Thanks. Are you gonna watch Raw today? Yep. All right. Cool. Well, Justin, thank you so much for giving us a call. It's good to talk to you, getting you on the air. Give us a call next week. You, you know, after Money in the Bank, want to hear your reaction. Let's see who wound up winning 
Let's see if your prediction came true. Uh, so give us a call next week. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Justin. Have a great night. Enjoy Raw. And you know what? You win, David, the best. And at least you Thanks so much for the call, Justin. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Ken. All right. You rock, man. Take it easy. We rock. Justin says we do rule. We got about we got less than two minutes left today, Dave. You know, we this is a show, man. This was like a potpourri. We were all over the place tonight. Uh, thank you so much to David <laughs> David Reese for giving us some time. But a uh, fun show, a bit of a roller coaster. Potpourri. Wow. So does that mean we were trying to freshen up the proverbial shit that was in the air on the air? I, I meant that it was, a, it, was, it, was, it was a mix. It was like a potpourri. Okay. All right. I'll... We always put on good shit. Right? Welcome to the Kennedy Show where we talk about potpourri. No, it was. It was all, all, in all honesty, yeah, we, we covered it all. TNA, WWE, Ring of Iron, the EDC, you know, Money in the Bank this Sunday. Yeah, it was uh, it was a mixed bag enough and uh, a a good bag enough to say the least. It was good, and you know what? We hopefully tonight we'll get some more matches added to the pay per view. Uh, again, we got the championship match. We got the tag team championship match. Who else is going to be in the contract ladder match? Seth Rollins sitting there all by his lonesome. Rest of the roster, who is going to be added to that match? We're going to get answers. We need. Answers tonight, Monday Night Raw, heading into the pay-per-view. Thank you, you callers, man. You brought it today. Thank you so much for calling us and supporting us. We will be back next week, 6.30, Monday night. Give all attention to what happened in the Money in the Bank and to look forward to Monday Night Raw. Thank you all for tuning in. For Dave, I am Ken. Enjoy Raw, everybody. Good night.